0: Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Send Dog Nutrition Podcast. You're with your host Brian and Lisa today and we have a very special guest in Emma Smith who is a dog trainer specialising in obedience and puppy schools. Who also has a background in zoo keeping. So, firstly, I'll just start off with how are you, Lisa?
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm well today. Happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this chat. You it's going to be very interesting.
0: You're back for round two. I on am the, back on for round two.
1: Back for more. Can't get enough.
0: Yeah. How are you, Emma?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me today.
0: Yeah. Welcome to Sen HQ, and it's really nice, nice for you to to come and spend some time with us this morning. And we're going to be discussing all things around dog feeding, meal frequency and touching on the fasting and also the behaviour impact that food can have. And Emma, with your experience, would you like to just let our listeners know a bit of the background of your experience?
2: Um, So I've always had dogs from basically when I was born up until now, um, have different varieties of dogs. I've had cattle dogs I've had staffies now I'm on to huskies which I use for dog sledding as well I have noticed a change with the feeding um, especially with more sport dogs um, and the difference in food that makes with the dogs while they're running in their off season and their down season as well Um, and then before that I was about 10 years um, in the zoo industry
0: oh wow which zoo was that
2: Uh, So I was at Australia Zoo and Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary.
1: So having that experience with the zookeeping side of things, that's something that I want to expand on a little bit more. One, it's always an interesting topic, uh, particularly with the koalas. They're close to everybody's heart. Um, But also two, with just having that insight when you're having a wild animal in captivity, uh, the feeding side of things for that, they can be impacted quite quite easily so having that experience to fall back on and bringing that forward to a domesticated setting that's something that I want to explore a little bit more with you so yep. even though this is from predominantly a dog podcast I'd like to explore a little bit more in the experiences and things that you noticed with feeding these animals when they're in captivity from enrichment to types of food to how it's presented all of that side yep. of thing. Um, so when I started
2: in the zoo, we would do a lot of enrichment feeds because obviously out in the wild, um, the animals would be foraging for their food. Mm-hmm. So this got me really interested in the enrichment feeding just enrichment to keep their minds entertained you're always trying to find different ways to make their brains work Mm -hmm. um, to keep that stimulation while they are in captivity and you would have to actually
1: use their actual meal for this purpose so you can't go and go "Oh, you are going to have your meal in a bowl and then I'm going to use some form of other food for this enrichment so you had to take the actual meal that the animal needed to consume and find a way to present that to the animal so it would consumer and done in an enrichment style yeah
2: so the vets would set a diet for the animals what their ideal weight would be what food they need to substitute so being wild animals like your birds of prey like a lot of your birds your dingoes all of that you'd have to feed their food as their enrichment so it could be even with like your dingoes you would feed them you can feed them in like your dog puzzle feeders Mm -hmm. it's still enriching for them Um, you can wrap them up in like your paper bark, your lamanderas and hide them places so they have to go sniff it out. You can bury it, you can just engage with them with their food. With the enrichment you can also do like scent enrichment as well so you just spread scents all over the place and they just sniff it out and go crazy, roll in it and it's just Kind of trying to stimulate what they would do out in the wild, and with like the bird side of things, you'd have like an insect day, so they wouldn't get like meat every day. They'd have an insect day, and you just scatter feed it, mm-hmm. and they would have to go down and find all the bugs and worms and
1: forage and scavenge for them. That sounds like you would have had to have gotten quite creative, um, yes. a lot of observational skills. So I really find that interesting that straight away we're seeing a collaboration being done that there was a vet involved that would give you the guidelines of what was required to be eaten. But then it was your job to look at the behavioural side of things, observe the species that you were wanting to feed and see what the best way to prevent present these diets to them. So I like that collaboration immediately. And it goes to show how much behaviour when it comes to food is actually a big deal. Um, And what better than our wild captive animals to actually show what a big deal it is. So I would assume that if you got it wrong, what would be the impact? Would the animals not eat? Um, What what happens if you didn't get it right? So if we didn't get it right,
2: so if we notice that um, the animals just didn't touch it, didn't care for it. There were some that just like, eh, just feed me. Mm-hmm. We would kind of leave it, we'd go back, um, and then we would unravel, do a bit of training, and then they would get their food that way. So they would still be mentally stimulated, um, but they would also get their full diet.
1: Okay, so this would be where I've seen your creativity when it comes to presenting your meals to your dogs. So I love watching the way that you feed your dogs. It's very inspirational and it's helped me get through with my young dog um, who's a stumpy. So he likes to chew and he has a busy brain. So these meals that you have done with him that I've been able to incorporate um, his diet and his supplements into it, it's kept his busy and it's saved me hundreds of dollars in shoes and goodness knows what we've done quite well so thank you for that no, and if you can just tell us a little bit about how you've taken this experience with the zoo keeping and feeding them and how you've brought this in with your dogs because yep. you're quite creative with these meals and I love it because
2: I've got two very different styles of huskies like I have your showline huskies which are a little bit more laid back again huskies will differ like for every dog but I'm trying to keep their minds working mm-hmm. I just got a new one he's one and he's a running line so he's built for running and all of that so I have to keep his mind occupied even more and have long lasting things mm-hmm. so I'll use puzzle feeders um, I'll use frozen treats this is when my send random question of the day of how to how I can use it um, would come into play so I'd be able to add the send, Products, um, especially into their frozen treats um, to be able to slightly longer lasting. Mm -hmm. um, I use muffin tins, puzzle feeders, uh, lick mats are really good as well when they don't destroy them. Um, So you have to get robust ones. Wobble feeders, there's so many different ways. Like grass is a natural snuffle mat, so you can just throw Mm -hmm. out some kibble or just like tiny bits of treat into the grass and they just go sniff it and they're occupied for quite a while. Fantastic.
1: So just going back to your random questions <laughs> of the day. So Emma and I have a um a, a very casual relationship <laughs> where I would just receive a message, you know, random question of the day. Can I do this With yep. this particular SEM product, um, would be collagen. Can it be frozen? Can it be cooked? Um, can so it be that dehydrated? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we've thoroughly explored the range of yep. uses and it's quite versatile. So you can yep. apply it in all these different ways that yeah, you're yeah. wanting to do the enrichment feeding for the dogs. The
2: electrolytes are really good during summer because you can put them in frozen treats and they stay and then they get it throughout. Mm-hmm. So their frozen treats are actually getting the electrolytes through that as well.
1: And I guess as well too that, as you're saying, because it takes some time for them to get through so they're not copying that with fortunately with the Sen electrolyte just to throw in being no fillers, no sugars, yep. no anything like that. Yep. Um, so the palatability to be able to have the dog enjoy it inside its meal, yep. um, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's really good. So it's not deterring them for the fact that it doesn't have a sweetener or something to mask exactly. that flavour. So you're using the meal to actually mask any so, issues yeah. and the dogs are getting through it.
2: Yeah, and they get different like it's not the same thing every day they'll get different stuff in their frozen treats and um, and in other stuff that I use so they get different enrichment every day like it may like a couple of days between each one but Mm -hmm. they will
1: get a variety throughout the week. So this kind of helps to lead into the next question so you mentioned that you've got Same breed, we've got huskies, but you've got different types of dogs within the same breed. So you mentioned a working line and more of your show line. So you're feeding for these dogs. Is it the same or do you find that you're feeding differently for the same dogs in your household with the same environment? So I have um, two that I use for sledding and one she's a bit
2: older. So she doesn't get fed the, she kind of just gets fed the same throughout the year her Mm -hmm. diet doesn't really change but whereas the boys um their protein gets upped a little bit Mm -hmm. um and their um, biscuit because we use Mm ukanubra the performance one um that gets upped a little bit during sledding especially if we're going into a race as well just because they need that extra energy kick Mm -hmm. um, while we're training while we're running Mm -hmm. um to give it to you so
1: that Again, tide's over, and I'm loving how much everything's just kind of flowing from one to the other. So yeah. if you were to keep feeding Ragnar, um, your hot little <laughs> little working line, which you love, if you were to keep feeding him his meals that he would consume during race season in an off season, what do you think could be the potential outcome from that if you didn't amend his diet accordingly? There would be no off. There would be no off. <laughs> okay.
2: okay. He, he's already... Um, He's my little energizer bunny. Um, So it takes a lot to wear him out. Mm -hmm. Um, So during his off season, because it is coming, our off season is in summer, it's a lot hotter. So I have to be careful when I do exercise my dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, And to reduce that, I reduce their protein during um, summer and up their kibble, just Mm -hmm. intake with um, the added nutrition on top of it um, just so they keep getting everything but he's not burning through it. So you would definitely not look at free feeding this dog, for example? Um, I do give them like like your chicken feet, Mm -hmm. chicken necks, um, your eggs, that sort of stuff. Um, But the meat side of it, I don't feed red meat i'll mm-hmm. feed more side of like chicken turkey that sort of thing
1: yeah fantastic so a bowl of kibble for him down all day like some dogs do would be yep. a no-go yeah so i'll add little bits
2: of extra so like some fruit and veg mm-hmm. so like your carrots bean peas um they get an egg a couple of times a week just a raw egg he's started to not eat the shells so okay. i will take that out now uh-huh. um and but even like i can just give him a frozen carrot and he's happy
1: yeah, good. He'll good. basically just eat whatever I give him. <laughs> so I hope that um our viewers who are listening are maybe having some little light bulb moments going on if they're noticing changes in their dog's behaviour. I would assume most household, even if they're not into sporting and things like that with their dog. Summer here in Queensland, we're a lot more active. We like our beaches are walking out, this type of thing. And so I definitely notice a lot more activity in general with our dogs come summertime. And then wintertime we're wanting to stay nice and warm inside and probably (laughs) spending a lot more time on the couch. So if that diet isn't being so if the (laughs) diet's not being adjusted to meet the needs of the individual could the owners potentially look to that having some change of behaviors you w- would yeah. see dogs coming in through work quite a lot yeah. um so is that something that if you had a super kind of hyperactive dog that was going 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 apart from your training which definitely train 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 um, but what other things could they look at addressing to help uh minimize this over exuberant behavior
2: yeah, so food has a lot to do with it. Like food and training come hand in hand. Um, I've noticed especially with my dog, I've taken him off red meat. I don't mm. give him a lot of it because I know once I start giving him that higher volume of protein, he's got like energy for days. Mm-hmm. Like I can take him for two, three, four, five Ks. And he won't falter. He's just warming up. Yeah. <laughs> I put him on a tread, like a mobile treadmill the other day. He mm. went for 45 minutes wow. and didn't falter.
1: My other husky went for 20 minutes and was like, I'm tapping out. Wow. Okay. And so that's, again, I, I love that you're talking about the same breed, but yeah. you're completely, completely different, different in their energy levels. And so you're so onto how you would feed them. Yes. That's, I think, yeah. something that I hope more people are starting to look at and be aware of that diet side of things and how it can relate to the behavior on that Um, some other things that I've uh, seen behavior wise as well too that might not necessarily be um, behavior that's over the top but more of a withdrawn behavior so if you had a dog that was starting to um, sleep a lot more recover Poorly from yeah. something that it would usually recover perfectly fine from so yeah. the opposite end that sluggish I think would be the great way to kind of cover that yeah. so if you had a dog that was having these kind of presenting these kind of problems yeah um, exploring that as a behavior often this might Be the first point of call from an owner um you'd either you know speak to the vet depending on how serious it seems to be if there's no other symptoms diarrhea or anything like that but if it was just a little bit of a small change it's something that i'd definitely be wanting to mention to my trainer um just for your professional opinion on what kind of steps could we look at taking from this point to investigate that further?
2: Yeah, one of the main questions that we ask when people are starting to have behavioural issues or they notice a change in their dogs is, what are you feeding them? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that can have an impact on the whole dog's demeanour, their sluggishness, their hyperactivity, and then we always go, if it's not... If you take it out, like take out some things, readjust it, how do they go if they're not getting better, then we generally tend to tell the clients to go straight to the vet just to see Mm -hmm. um, what they can reassess, um, if they're lacking in something, so they need a vitamin supplement or or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, fantastic. Um, And then obviously you can get in touch with things like your digestive plus for the gut health. So if you've had a dog who has been unwell, gone and had some medications for whatever reason, antibiotics or whatnot, so looking at implementing those supplements where relevant to be able to boost that system um, can be one option. So it's definitely looking at both end of the scales. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I probably add to that. And when you look at like the gut bacteria of a dog and the link between – the population there and the brain health, so that gut brain axis, the research has like suggested that there's conditions such as obesity and like the pet anxiety is there's a link there. And because 70% of behavioral disorders in dogs can be attributed to the anxiety, what is causing that? And dog owners have to look at their diet of the dog to see if it is helping that whole gut bacteria population. And, I think, Emma, we've discussed in the past about fasting with dogs.
2: Yeah. So going back to, like, my zookeeping side of things, like animals don't eat every day. Like they're out in the wild. They're not going to be able to catch their prey or their food item every day. Like you have your carrion eaters, which will just go eat, like your roadkill and everything. But then there's, like, some of your birds of prey or, like, your dingoes and stuff like that who – won't eat every day and it's basically just a fasting day um that it's it's not a bad thing it's just to help their stomach or inte- like just everything their digestive system just kind of have a break from digesting or like the high proteins the offal that they eat the bits of bone all that sort of stuff um just to help absorb it essentially
0: yeah from my understanding when you do fast you're actually helping that gut bacteria be in a Probably in a stronger state because yep. there's no insulin response from like any carbohydrates and that. Yep. But and you're promoting the more good bacteria in the gut, which yep. is only going to have a beneficial effect on behavior. Yeah. And I know for myself, like you got horses, you got humans as well. I'll do a few days during the week in terms of, yeah, having dinner at 7 p.m., but then not eating any th- or having like a, a fast till like 11 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. And the benefits of this is like that whole morning I'm running off no insulin response. Yeah, I'm using the, the fat stores that are in my body to fuel what I have to do in the morning. And it might even be a gym workout as well. And that's a fasted gym workout. And that's going to help everything from my digestion, but also the way I utilize my calories um, in that because... I'm not burning the calories that I've ingested at breakfast time. I'm actually burning what I have in my body yeah. to a depletion, and then also remembering at lunchtime to not eat crap. And um, <laughs> because <laughs> you, are well. ha- yeah, you are pretty, yeah, because you are pretty hungry, and yeah, if you can ha- even that up, and yeah, you can really apply it to in that dog setting as Emma has um, has outlined, because when you when you see that example in the wild of the, the prey they, they might not find another prey animal for for a few days and then they have to be forced to fast and yeah. it, it just keeps the dog in a more healthy state
2: obviously I'm not saying like fast your dog like every couple of days once a week like but in the zoo industry that's when we would bring out like the scent enrichment stuff that they could still occupy their mind on like the tigers would get a grass day so they would eat the grass and it would help bring up like all the mm-hmm. hair and the bones and everything that they didn't, that obviously they needed to help to bring up.
0: Yeah, I think this this conversation sort of brings up the, not the issue in the industry, but not feeding your dog every three hours or yeah. snacking, so like I'd, going through that owner.
1: The, the it's the overabundance yeah. um and we as humans particularly in a western culture um are very very fortunate to have an overabundance often um yeah. and then we want to share this with our loved ones and our dogs are our loved ones so we share this overabundance they have multiple meals in some cases every single day yeah. um Often, some dogs are eating better than humans in other parts of the world. Um, so, this overabundance, um, perhaps looking at bringing it into some form of balance rather than thinking about, as Emma said, you know, not suggesting that you must fast the dog and do it every single week, but to help to balance out that overabundance and to maybe stop and think a little yep. bit about what is actually healthy and necessary for the dog and what is emotional and humanization of the dog and pleasing ourselves in our emotional needs uh, rather than actually looking at the individual dog seeing what it is that that dog needs um and and applying whatever is relevant to that particular circumstance so yeah that's what it is 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 for me as, as um just balancing it out and and of course when we're we're sick i'm, I'm sure sh- i'm sure that you and, and we just spoke about not humanizing but to talk about it on a human front so if we're yeah. unwell um most of the time our body is like right nil by mouth yeah. you will not be consuming i am excreting and removing everything and that i think is a big job yeah. in itself um so we would be quite um kind of conscious about what we would put into our body when we're not feeling well and it might not be that we need to go to a doctor we we just need to have a bit of downtime yep. we need to give our body a break we need our body to process and work through whatever it is that we're trying to process and work through but yep. our dogs can't tell us this and so then we come in with our overabundance yes. and try to force it down them as well too so to kind of look at it from this behavioral point of if it's maybe a little bit sluggish or something's going on that that there are some different things that you can look at to potentially help the dog out Um, and not always necessarily needs to be a pharmaceutical or a medication. Sometimes it can just be a point of let the dog rest its system for the day. And then and see how it is the, the next day. Um, obviously, there are times where, you know, veterinarian uh, care is definitely required yes, in that. We're yeah. not suggesting not to, to, um, to consult with the veterinary on, on, that, on that front, um, but maybe just to cool the jets a little bit and to give the system a break, allow the system yeah. to have, have that break realign. Um yeah. so that's kind of that's that's what I'm getting from from this which I I think there's probably quite a lot of dogs out there that could do quite well from having humans calming down a little bit about the the feeding. Yes.
2: Yeah, so one of if I was if I wasn't a zookeeper when I got my first husky I would have freaked out a little bit and I did she naturally fast so mm-hmm. if she doesn't want to eat she just she won't eat so she'll have her breakfast but then she won't have dinner or she'll have dinner and then she won't have breakfast so she naturally regulates what like when she wants to eat and when she doesn't um and my other two are slowly going into that habit as mm-hmm. well that if they're not um if they're not hungry that they're, they're not going to eat and then they'll eat the next morning So I – and everyone should be, like, aware of their dogs, their behaviour, their demeanour. If they're just not interested in food, they probably have had too much throughout the day. So, like, they've had their breakfast and they've had their multiple treats and everything during the day. Um, If my dogs do have multiple treats, then I'll reduce their dinner a little bit Mm -hmm. so they're still getting their same portion of food Mm -hmm. throughout the day. And if she doesn't want to eat at night time, that's – not an issue because um, I know she'll eat the next morning.
0: Yeah that's a really good points and and we really like that theory of getting to know your dog inside out and they're all different all should be treated as individuals and if they are going to go through some of that fasting stage it does have a really good beneficial effect on their immune system because 70% of the dog's immune system is in the gut and when they have a healthy gut then they have a stronger immune defense and it's It's just a really good effect that the the gut has on the dog's body.
1: So in kind of my take-home message that I'm getting from this point is, as Brian's saying, feeding the individual, being very aware of the individual and so not getting taken up on... one size fits all so very much so at the internet at the moment and it's just interesting we're talking about this topic um, it's quite a hot debate about once a day twice a day looking at it in that very very structured rules rather than looking at it from a flexible point of view Um, flexible point of view is that you have got a dog who likes to eat once a day Um, then you've got dogs that are different and are going to eat twice a day as well too so the big take-home message there is feeding the dog that you have in front of you feeding it yep. what it needs how it needs that particular dog not trying to apply a specific set of very very structured rules to that having a little bit more flexibility yeah yeah so
2: we've i feed my dogs twice a day so they reckon like their daily dose their daily diet they get fed twice a day but it's split over the two meals mm-hmm. so they'll get more in the morning because they've got all day they're playing, they're running, they're training, they're going to be burning more energy whereas at night time they get a s- the smaller portion because they're going to be going to sleep. They're not going to be doing anything.
1: This is a great topic. So then portion size is yeah. very much so um, we're not looking at adding a whole other meal for the second one. So we're taking what the dog should be consuming in any given day and splitting it accordingly. And again, looking at the individual's need and seeing whether or not the bigger meal at a specific time of day is relevant to the dog's need in that specific point in time as well too. And a lot of kibble these days will have your,
2: um, like, two portions. They'll have your inactive dog and your active dog. Mm -hmm. Um, But then some others, they'll have specific breed like breeds like your German Shepherds or your Oodles or your Labradors on the bag, but Mm -hmm. that's...
1: It's not going to suit
2: every breed of that dog. Yes. And so you were
1: speaking earlier about – so, for example, if I had the German Shepherd and I went and purchased a bag of the German Shepherd-specific dog food. Yes. But then not all German Shepherds are the same. Yes. So can you speak me through that a little bit because I love the way that you put this.
2: Um, So you have your – German Shepherds are a working dog. Um, but you also have your German Shepherds, which choose to be a couch potato. Um, the the German Shepherd-specific bag of food is generally aimed at the more active breeds, the more working breeds. It has slightly higher protein, so you always need to be looking at the ingredients um, in your dog food bags to make sure that they're not too high and whatnot, whereas... so that kind of food's going to be good for your quite active, your working lines, whereas your couch potatoes, they're not going to need all that extra stuff um, and they could end up just getting a bit chubby bit
1: chubby he's <laughs> a bit on the chubby uh-huh. side <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh no and and i think it, and, and again this it, it shows consistently through the whole podcast is feed the dog in front of you yeah um as an individual regardless of the species regardless of it's li- it's living arrangement per se it's it's got a lot more that kind of comes into it when you're presenting yeah or what you should be presenting to that dog yeah. um and i think this kind of helps to explain where we do see you know the obesity um and and just other kind of behavioral problems but it, it definitely shows that feeding and behavior does go hand in hand because that selection of the type of food for the german shepherd yeah. that's purely coming down to his behavior in, in in what he's doing yeah um, so essentially you're, you're wanting to feed for the for the behavior and the energy and 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 the lifestyle yes um rather than the breed that yes. is on the packet and matching those two together yeah breed on couch breed on packet does not equal breed out in the field doing what the breeds to do yeah
0: yeah are really good points Lisa and even furthermore to that as everyone knows we are in the horse industry there's some companies that have 20 different horse feed bags but we're feeding a horse like it's not a different it's not a different animal yeah. and as emma said adjusting the portions and knowing your dog inside out is probably the most important point in all this
1: 100 it's been really really interesting hearing it all come together and and just bringing the zoo experience i think that that's such a valued um valued experience that helped you to really Bridge the gaps between the two and do it really well, you know, really, really well. It's definitely helped and
2: working in the zoo gave me a lot of knowledge of how to feed my animals, like enrich them because at the end of the day, they are still animals. They still need to be mentally stimulated as well as physically stimulated.
0: And we'll just finish off not as an infomercial, but we'll ask Emma, what was the difference that you saw with your dogs when they were switched to the Sen supplements and and how do you find it integrating with obviously what we touched on with the Instagram and all the the really healthy treats that you really make the nutrient profile better. But yeah, just your account of the Sen.
2: So even um, I think I've been using Sen for... Maybe like two and a half years now. Um, so since I really got into the sledding sport, um, my older girl, she struggles a lot. She has a bit of um, back issues and the scent has actually helped with her joints and mobility on that side of thing. The digestive has helped her stomach issues. So she's all around a happier dog in that retrospect. The boys, it helps. They get it when we go out sledding. We take all our sand products with us put it all on there it just helps um with their joint the mobility um and overall I've seen a massive difference from when I first started to now just the help that it's given them and given all of their extra nutrients and the electrolytes I give through summer just to help rehydrate them really
0: yeah that's that's really fantastic and we're really thankful for all the support you have of us and your dogs are a prime example of how they can thrive on a nice nutrient profile and also it comes down to your management Mm, but what we'll do is if anyone wants to deep dive the products that Emma does feed I'll put the links in the show notes so you guys can look into it further but I think that should this has gone for a little bit so That'll wrap this one up. Is there anything you'd like to say, Lisa? No,
1: I think that's absolutely fantastic. I've been waiting for this one, so I'm <laughs> quietly pleased.
0: Yeah, and yeah, thank you very much for your time, Emma. No, it's thank you for having me. Been really good and informative, and we just want to keep our listeners having a, a good look at how they look after their dogs and the management around them. It's not just throwing the kibble out, Yeah. Just leaving them unstimulated.
1: So thinking outside the box. And that's what Emma has done time and time again, She's thinking outside the box. Um, And I really hope that it encourages people to do that as well too, to look outside the box, have a few light bulb moments, um, and we can have a look and see whether or not we can share some of the recipes as well too Mm. for her enrichments. They're quite amazing.
0: I'll definitely link also her Instagram as well.
1: That sounds good. Thanks, Emma. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you.